What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome to another episode of the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I am your Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the nerdy South, Tyler Mack, and joined by the co-host, the podfather of 30 and Nerdy. He is the juicy one. He has his PhD in nerdology. Dr. Davis, what's up, Doc? I know we're going to get to this later. I hate to jump the gun, but I just got to say right here at the start, it's great to be, to be a, a Tennessee, Tennessee ball. ball. I said it's great to be a Tennessee ball. How's it going, man? Bro, I am still riding a high. <laughs> and we, we, we will get to it. Um, but, man, I just I, – I, it, it will stick with me. I'll tell my kids about about it my Uh grandkids about it it's one of those things that'll that'll just be one of it's it's you're kind of part of a a special club when you're at an event like that and and very few get to be a part of that club and it's just amazing and we'll get to it but first how's how is work my friend well i i had one day back at work so far (laughs) since uh fall break i would imagine i would imagine it's been pretty easy went back in and you know Right away, it's like the dam has broken. Here's all the things that have to be caught up on and Mm -hmm. are looming over me that I have to get done. And uh, that's just part of how it is when you got a show in the works. So, you know, we're we're just chugging right along. Well, speaking of fall break and speaking of the Disney show you are putting on for your 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 school, you went to the House of Mouse. I did. How was it? It was great to be back. I hadn't been since uh, pre-COVID. You know, my wallet is really hurting. Uh, it, it needs to be resuscitated. It is It is dead. It has flatlined. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I went in expecting that. Uh, you know, over the summer, I picked up a couple extra gigs here and there, a couple odd jobs, and, you know, got a little extra funding uh, so I could really splurge. And, yeah. you know, this was special because my daughter's already been two or three times before, but she was so little that she didn't remember it. So knowing that she would be big enough to like understand what was happening and this is like, she'll really remember this trip. And I was really excited about that. And uh, man, it was worth every penny. I built myself a lightsaber. I haven't been able to show you that one in detail yet. I'll have to. Do you mind telling us how much that was? Uh, it was around. Yeah, it was under. 250 it's not terrible which if you consider like getting one of the really nice replicas like of one of the movie sabers it's gonna be around that as well oh yeah Uh, so i just sort of looked at it as i'm getting the experience that the like there's a whole experience that you go through with that um and i can go into detail about that if you want and this is an original like this is my own Mm -hmm. saber you know so it was worth it and i knew it was gonna be a lot but like i said I was uh, the, the whole point was to splurge a little bit. And plus it was my wife's birthday. So, you know, it was a big celebration going back after COVID and mm-hmm. all this good stuff. So, you know, it was well worth it, but uh, the lightsaber process, man, I got to tell you, I heard stories about it, uh, like grown men in there, like crying and stuff. And I was thinking, ah, oh, come on, come on. I kind of get it. I did not cry, but I, I sort of get it. And I actually thought about you because they have a guy that's like, you know, he's like an actor and mm-hmm. he does this big, like dramatic 
you know, explanation of the lightsabers and what all the colors mean and how it's like, you know, now you get to join in the fight and what will your story be? And it was very, very theatrical. And he would pick up the kyber crystals and he would hold it up and the lights on the ceiling would change colors, you know, to match that as he talked about, oh, green, Qui-Gon Jinn, Master Yoda would wield these, this lightsaber. Mm-hmm. I was like, this would be a great job for you. You would love it. Oh, that. yeah, that sounds fun. Um, and then like the voice of Yoda was speaking to us and we did this thing where, you know, we all had to put our lightsaber hilt into this tube or something so they could connect the blade part to it. And everyone ignited their lightsabers at the same time. And you see them all lighting up around the tables and he had us all lift them up over our heads and was like, let us gingerly touch our tips, you know. <laughs> Uh, it was very, very cool. That's cool. And Be- <laughs> Becky's got a video of me, like with my mouth dropped open and put my hand over my chest, like, Oh my God, this is so overwhelming. Uh, so it was great. I highly recommend if you're going to go and, and splurge a little bit and, and you got the means to do so highly recommend the lightsaber building experience. Um, it, uh, is great. Uh, you do cool. have to have reservations though. Beyond that, I will tell you, uh, there's a rise of the resistance ride that mm-hmm. was not open. I think last time I was there. Wow. Um, there was like a seven hour wait at one point. So I thought that we were going to get to, to ride it, but things, you know, cleared up a little Jeez. bit. Yeah. We were able to get on it. We didn't have to wait really at all uh, because of <clears throat> my Becky's cousin. Uh, he has autism mm-hmm. and he gets the special like disability passes or whatever. So we get to get like the lightning lane and stuff. So we get mm-hmm. to, we we're very fortunate. We get to cut through a lot of lines because um, it's difficult, you know, for people like him. And so this ride, man, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to go into a ton of detail about it, but basically I have never in my life felt like I am living star Wars. I'm in the middle of star Wars as I did in that ride. It is wow. a full interactive experience. It's like a ride within a ride. Basically, you get you're trying to flee on like a, a what's the, the good guys the resistance on a resistance ship, and you get pulled in by a tractor beam, and you board a star destroyer. Mm-hmm. And there's like first order soldiers walking around. You're like you're captured, and it's that's all I'll say. But wow, it was wow. it was very impressive. It was like, wow, I'm really walking on a Star Destroyer right now. And, you know, there's Kylo Ren and there's this, and there's that. So another one, if you can manage the line and, and whatever, that one. Last thing I'll talk about, there's this new Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind ride at Epcot. Uh, I don't know if you remember the old, there's like an Ellen DeGeneres ride that they used to have. It was Ellen mm-hmm. and Bill Nye at Epcot. Mm-hmm. They replaced that with this guardians of the galaxy thing dude best ride i've ever been on in my entire life really ever incredible it's a roller coaster uh if anyone's familiar with space mountain very similar to that it's like space mountain on steroids and Hmm. um it's like you're in the 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 roller coaster train you know but like it turns sideways and you go sideways and all this stuff and a lot of people talked about getting sick and getting a little queasy on it and they would have like bags uh, waiting for you after the ride so i was fully expecting like oh i'm gonna have a great time and then i'm gonna puke my guts out but i was okay i didn't get sick um it was very fast a lot of fun they play obviously they play music because it's guardians yeah. yeah and there's like five different songs that that they'll play 
And I looked it up and I really, really, really wanted September by Earth, Wind and Fire because it's one of my favorite songs. And I started the ride and sure enough, it was September. And I was like, yes, perfect. Um, so I had a great time on the ride. And that's another one I uh, highly suggest, highly recommend. I know you guys are planning a trip like in the next mm -hmm. couple of years. Yeah. Do whatever you have to do. Lie, cheat, steal mm -hmm. to get on that ride. You will love it. Sweet. And that is my Disney experience. So, well, we're glad we're we're glad you had fun. Glad to have you back. One of the things I did while you were at Disney was obviously, um, even though I'm still in this this boot thing, I went to the Tennessee Alabama game because, as I talked about a million times, I'm a season ticket holder, and I knew that this one was going to be like Florida on steroids because we went in uh, five and zero. Oh and which we hadn't been five and oh in years so i knew i was like well we thought florida was big this is going to be monumental this is going to be the biggest day on campus in, in you know a generation probably which is true i i cannot put into words the experience i'm still riding this high i got to experience it with our whole family like even though they didn't go into the game mom and nolan and they went tailgated with us and we were in Circle Park early, and me, uh, I hobbled, but me and Nolan and Peyton and Christopher and Gustavo all went and watched game day. So I saw Pat McAfee pick the balls, and the sheriff himself, Peyton Manning, was there. And it was just a wild time on the hill at game day. And it's just we were there, dude, even though the game wasn't – until 3.30, we were there at 9.30 that morning in the Ag Campus parking lot to just make a big dadgum day of it. And it was it was one of the best experiences I've ever had at Neyland. It was one of the, probably the best football game I have ever watched in person. Yeah, I would imagine. Like, as a game, it was just something. It's one of those games that you you want to have. Like, you could not be undefeated. But if every game were like that, you'd have a great season. You'd be like, oh, yeah. we played. Everybody. And, and, I mean, we're not a sports podcast, obviously. So, for anyone who's listening and doesn't understand, Alabama is a big deal. I mean, it's they a, it's are a huge like, deal. for the past 10 or more years, they have been like the ones to beat for everybody. Mm -hmm. They're just unstoppable. I don't know how many – national championships they've won out of the past 10 but it's been a lot like nick saban coach of of the, the decade i mean yeah yeah, it, yeah so and tennessee we've said a lot even on this show sometimes it's really hard to be a tennessee fan absolutely because the past 10 15 years it's you know we've not we've not been good we've had like four different coaches in 10 mm -hmm. years it's been it's been rough and like slowly, we're starting to make progress this year out of nowhere. Like we're just undefeated. Yeah. And I think a lot of people did have this feeling of this is going to be big. Something big is going to happen or what yeah. in the event that something big does happen. Cause I was seeing Facebook posts of people selling tickets or looking for tickets, buying them for thousands, literally thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like a couple months mortgage or more for mm -hmm. football tickets for a, you know, one night. Um, 
I unfortunately did not get to watch the game. I was in the car on the way back from Orlando, but I had the thing on the radio the whole mm-hmm. way. And man, my wife is a Bama fan, and here I am a Tennessee fan. So it was a very interesting car ride because oh, that game, that game was like what a roller coaster ride. Speaking of rides, yeah, back and forth and back and forth. Like, and I'll admit it, man. Like, I didn't think we were going to pull it off. Like, well, and I, because- I think that we didn't go in. I mean, I, you know, I, I kept this positive mentality of you know sure, where we're sure. sitting. Why not us? You know, nobody's been able to do it, but by the looks of us right now, we could be the ones to do it. Mm-hmm. But even if yeah. we don't win, we're going to give them a game that they remember. Yeah. And Becky, Becky's all the time like saying, oh, my gosh, we could lose this one or we could lose this one. And it's like, no, you're not, because Bama is one of those teams who even if they're not looking good in the beginning, by yeah. the end, they they make it happen. Like Bama always. does what Bama does. They make exactly. They make mm-hmm. it happen. So I was thinking, you know. Yeah, here towards the like in the last two minutes of the game, they're gonna get like three touchdowns or something yeah. like that, and it's gonna happen for them, you know. Until that last moment, that field goal, because I, I was sick to like, oh, they're gonna miss it. We're gonna go into overtime, and then they're gonna beat us, right? Well, I remember when he kicked the ball, <laughs> and it was tipped by one of their linemen, which is why it looked like a duck going in. Um, it's like all time stopped. And I just sat there and and had this out-of-body experience watching it go, saying to myself, we can't go to overtime with Alabama. We just can't. Yeah. Because they're Alabama. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty good in overtime, especially in Neyland. And one of the things that was repeatedly said after the game from Heupel, from all the players, is the fans won that game for them. It was so loud that the seismology – monitor miles away i saw that picked up activity i saw we were so loud we broke the record bro it was loud on the radio i could hear the people on the radio and that's from the people up in the booths on the radio sets you know like it was very loud we we broke the the decibel level and we were louder than a jet engine yeah and we shook the ground and I'm glad you talked about, uh, you know, records and numbers and all that, because as uh, the the legend John Ward used to say, we're going to take a timeout to check the stats. And numbers don't lie when discussing how big of a weekend it was for us Tennessee football fans and our history. So to really lay it out there for those who may not know much or may not realize much about what's going on, let me explain to you <laughs> just how big it was. The last time we beat Alabama, Nick Saban wasn't even the coach. Yeah. So this is the first time that Tennessee has beaten Nick Saban, and it has taken us 15 years and five coaches to do it. This is the first time that Tennessee has been in the top five since September of 2005, when our QB was Eric Ainge and Jonathan Crompton, and our coach was Philip Fulmer. Yeah. The attendance inside the stadium was the – New record setting, 101.915. That's sellout for us now since they did a lot of the uh, refurbishments to the stadium. There were an additional 75-plus thousand people just outside the stadium on campus watching at tailgates in Volunteer Village, Circle Park, making it the most people to be on campus on game day at an estimate of close to 200,000 people just in the campus from like the river to the other side of the stadium, mm. close to 200,000 people. 
Rocky Top was played a record-breaking 53 times in the stadium. Tennessee is 6-0 for the first time since 1998 <laughs> when we went undefeated and became the first BCS national champions. And those are the days of Peyton Manning. Actually, Peyton is, was gone. That he was, was gone in 98? That was T. Martin. Oh, okay. That was T. Martin. Only the second time in our lifetime in our lifetime, the goalposts have been torn down since Florida of 1998. Yeah. Hyatt broke the university's record on single game TDs with 200 plus yards, six receptions and five touchdowns in one game. The Manning curse has been broken with this being the first ranked game that we have won with Manning in attendance meaning that we have never beaten a ranked opponent or won the game being ranked with Peyton Manning in attendance. Which isn't a shock because we've lost a lot over the mm-hmm. past year. And Tennessee set a new record for the most points scored against Alabama in a single game since 1907. I saw that one earlier. That's crazy. In which Sewanee, Tennessee, beat them. And a fun fact about 1907 Juice, it is not just a brewery in Morristown, Tennessee. It is the year that Gideon Morris founded Morristown, Tennessee, my hometown. It all adds up. And can you guess how many teams in college football history have went 6-0, beat top 25 AP opponents, and scored 30-plus points in each of the first six games? One. Us. Yeah. The 2022 Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah. It is great to be a Tennessee Vol again. I think we deserve this. And my wife, who is a big Bama fan, when it was all said and done, she was like, you know what? I'm happy for, for y'all. Mm-hmm. Like, this is really exciting. Like, the, and, and our friend Logan, mm-hmm. also Very a Bama happy. fan, he was excited about it. You know, there's been some bitter folks out there, of course. Like, oh, you know, the, the referees were their MVP and Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 you know. And like Bama, every game. Bama had a record penalties, like yes. 17 or something. And like, and know, like it, was, it was a lot. Like every game, there were missed calls on both sides. Sure. There were bad penalties on both sides. That happens every game. You're never going to have a perfect referee troop in any sport whatsoever. But at the end of the day, what makes this Tennessee team different from any other Tennessee team in the last 15 years is with two and a half minutes left, they played to win. They didn't just say, let's play it safe and take them to overtime. Our team, our coach said, no, we're not going to overtime. We're going to march down the field and we're going to kick a field goal and win this thing. No one else would have done that. They'd have played it safe, and they'd have went to overtime and back to the drawing board. But our team, this year's team, this coach, Heupel, who when he was in high school was a runner-up for a Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma, played to win, didn't give up, kept driving, kept playing, answered every touchdown they scored with a touchdown of our own. Stayed ahead of Bama for the first time, the entire first half. The entire first quarter, it was 21 to 7. Like, that's insane. Like, to talk about the roller coaster and being there live 
in this game. I, I can't put it into words right now, but it, it's not just monumental. It's 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 a story that I will tell. It's it's a, a memory that will last forever. I mean, yeah. the people who stormed the field of 1998 against Florida are like putting on social media and all that and be like, we would like to welcome to the club, the 2022 fans of Tennessee versus Alabama, because what you are part of now, the getting to storm the field, taking turf home, tearing down the goalposts, you're part of a very, very small club. Mm -hmm. And this will stay with you for the rest of your life. And, and I can't, I, I'm telling you, man, it was the greatest game I've ever seen in my life. Even uh, now, a couple of days later, like I still can't believe it happened. I, I had to I, wake I up and check it. social media the next morning. Yeah. To make sure that it was still Sunday morning and we had one. It is definitely great to be a Tennessee Vol. And like, that's something we've always said because this is home for us. You know, this mm-hmm. is like, this is our thing, you know, and, but like, it is, really really great to be a Tennessee ball like we've mm-hmm. we've gone through these bad times and mm-hmm. man we've earned it we deserve it so it's uh it's a great feeling and I'm happy that you were there and that you got to experience that so absolutely hopefully this is a sign of great things to continue for us and maybe we'll get a little bit of that long uh winning streak like Alabama's mm-hmm. had for a while I think it's our turn so absolutely absolutely right. we'll, we'll end with a big go balls on that that's right so last week while you were at Disney, we had a fantastic interview with Devaney Penn, a scream queen of the horror genre, uh, who has been in 80 plus horror films and television. Uh, she's been in so many movies and uh, even in her extra work and TV shows like Dexter and, and Law and Order and stuff like that. Uh, it was just an amazing conversation to get to have with her and to talk horror and her career and, and all the people she's gotten to work with from, from Danny Trejo to Vivica A. Fox to, to all of them. Mm-hmm. And if you have not listened to that episode, you can go back and listen to it. I highly recommend uh, Josh. And I'm not recommending it to you <laughs> to see her new movie frost. Cause uh, it's, it's a brutal one. Um, takes a pretty brutal twist, uh, but it is a true story. And that's one one thing I did praise her. That makes it worse for doing is, is, uh, you know, she, she played Casey Anthony. Oh, sexy Sadie in the Manson movie. And now she's told this true story. So she's, she, she tells real stories and some people that rubs the, you know, some people don't like real, real life. It makes it tough. It's scary. you know, this, uh, the, the new thing that people are talking about now is the, the new Dahmer show on, on Netflix. Yeah. And, um, I've, I've not, I've not watched it. I probably won't. Um, cause the, the real life thing is tough for me. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but that's great. I haven't had the chance to listen to the, uh, the interview yet. I do plan to do it. I'm now still trying to just to let you know, up. we do not spoil her movie. So oh, okay, good. you can, you can listen to it and, and not have had the movie spoiled for you. Uh, but if you are of, of strong will and strong mind and strong stomach, uh, check out her new movie, Frost. Uh, it just dropped on video on demand. Uh, everywhere you get your movies like Prime and Voodoo and all that stuff. Uh, so thank you again, Devin, and it was great to talk to you. 
with the new movie coming out in a matter of days, I figured we'd drop some little Randall Nautica, Randall Nerdica knowledge on you about Black Adam. For those who don't, may not know in depth about Black Adam, just a few facts to get you ready to go into the movie. Okay, he was created by Otto Binder and C.C. Beck. He first appeared in Fawcett's comic, The Marvel Family, in December of 1945 before being bought by DC Comics in 1970. One of Shazam's main arch enemies. His alternate names that you may hear in the movie are Teth Adam or Tethon. He was born in Kandak. He has been a member of the Injustice League, the Legion of Doom, Black Marvel Family, Injustice Society, Justice Society of America, the Suicide Squad, and even the Justice League. Abilities include the Stamina of Shu, the swiftness of Horus, the strength of Amon, the wisdom of Zehuti, the power of Aiden, and the courage of Mehen. He has went from villain to anti-hero to full-on superhero in his time in the comic book world. The movie will hit theaters October 21st and will star The Rock as the titular character and will feature members of the classic Justice Society like Dr. Fate, Hawkman, Cyclone, and Adam Smasher. What are you I, looking forward to, Juice? I did not realize that it was coming so soon. Like it's 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 practically here. It's practically yeah. Wow. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I really too. am. A yeah, lot of positive is, things coming out of it. Uh, Rocky's been working on this thing for like ten years or something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely a labor of love for him. And anything that The Rock does, I fully support. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll be seeing it. Uh, hopefully we'll get to catch it together i hope so uh, line our schedules up yeah it's it's a busy time in our lives it is um i'm looking forward to it man i've heard a lot of great things coming out of it Uh, i've heard it's a game changer it's a a great uh stepping stone on fixing the path of dc um the next step by the sound of it is to see and i want to get your opinion on this real quick i don't want to spend too much time on this but um, uh, Ezra Miller has been brought in to do some reshoots for The Flash. Um, mm. They are still facing a lot of a lot of trouble uh, facing the the possibility of twenty six years in prison if found guilty in something. Uh, for breaking and entering and endangerment and stuff like that so they are still up a creek what do you think of them bringing in ezra miller for reshoots do you think it's a do you think it's a well we can't stick with them so maybe let's kill barry i would definitely try to distance myself away from ezra miller as soon as possible Mm -hmm. um because, I mean, they're just a liability, really, at this point. Absolutely. Now, that being said, and this is what I've said to, to you and Logan before, as terrible and as horrible as, uh, as their behavior has been, uh, apparently, over the last couple of years or so, Ezra Miller is not the only person who put work and effort and, and care into creating this project, right? Mm-hmm. And so it sucks for one person to ruin that for everybody and we live in a day and age where there's disclaimers 
on the front of movies all the time. I mean, you watch Peter Pan on Disney Plus and there's like a disclaimer about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. Uh, you know, that that's fine. You know, that's that's the world we live in today. And that's that's fine. Um, why can we not put something at the front of Flash? Like, you know, this studio does not condone support in any way the actions behaviors of uh, Ezra Miller they do not reflect those of Warner Brothers or whoever it is um, due to the countless hours uh, and efforts put into this project by thousands of other people we choose to continue with the project and hope that you will you know enjoy it and maybe that's the wrong answer guys you know I don't know like Send your hate tweets to at NerdyJD1. That's fine. I, this is just, you know, I, I, I just hate for us to not get it because of Ezra Miller. Because, I mean, this is Keaton's return to the cow. Right? Exactly. So. So Keaton and Batfleck are supposed to be in this movie together. Like. Oh, so cool. I'm so on the fence about even supporting the movie because of Ezra. But like you said, I mean, we've been waiting for this. And. Yeah a chance to see Keaton and Batfleck and see the possibility of a reboot to the DC in the right direction. Uh, now, if these reshoots are to either kill his Barry or bring in a new Barry or continue with Wally, bring in a Wally and make Wally West, the new flash. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it, but if you're going to keep Ezra moving forward, if they're found not guilty, I mean, but how can you? You can't. I mean, I, I would, I would lose a, uh, all the respect for WB. So we'll we'll keep you updated as 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 we get news. Despite the uh, great news of Disney World and the uh, you know the the UT game, we also got a little bit of sad news during the during the break. We did. Um, there were two big deaths uh, within the the pop culture one of them uh a legend in the disney world especially mm-hmm. um and one of them our, our very own uh potterverse and uh so angela lansbury who many know as the voices of mrs potts in the animated movie beauty and the beast who many of us also know as the original mrs lovett in mm-hmm. sweeney todd uh, and of course, other generations will know her from a murder she wrote. Yep. Which I would watch reruns with my grandmother all the time as a kid. She was what, 98? 99? Yeah. Well, I mean, wow, what an illustrious uh, career that she had. Like mm-hmm. you said, a legend. God bless her, man. She, uh, she did so much. And so may she rest in peace. And I actually happened to be in the magic kingdom when i mm. found out about her passing i was right by the uh the castle wow so yeah i'll always remember that one and we are all putting our wands to the sky yeah. uh, for the passing of our dear groundskeeper and teacher and beautiful spirit of hagrid robbie coltrane passed mm-hmm. away this this past week yeah and that one's a heartbreaker I that mean, one really Really, hurt. we've lost like more than ten people in the cast, uh, from from Richard Harris to Snape to, you know, uh, one of the Gringotts Bank 
Tellers to to Ollivander himself. I mean, we've lost a lot of cast mm-hmm. members. Um, but when we even kind of discussed it when we were talking about the reunion of Harry Potter uh, during the pandemic, uh, Robbie was possibly, you know, him or Maggie, you know, were probably going to be the next in line to to pass on. And sadly, a couple short years later, we lost Haggard. And uh, it's not Hogwarts without Haggard, as Harry says. A lot of people shared that meme from the uh, HBO Max reunion special where he said, you know, in 50 years time, you could still be watching this. I'll not be here, sadly, but Haggard will be. Mm. Um, and so what a fitting thing to, to share at this time. Yeah, that one really hurt, man. That one, that's, that's really sad. Haggard's another one of those that like you feel like if Haggard's around, you're going to be all right. Everything's great. You know, Haggard's like our our protection and the one who, who brought Harry into the wizarding world. He's like our, our, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I mean, like a, like a, like a father figure sort of. And uh, I mean, the sweet four, innocence of Hagrid, the four words that he said to Harry, you're a wizard, Harry. I mean, it, it kind of started us all on this journey and, you know, he was the one who brought him to, to Privet drive. And it was only right that he was the one that take them, took him to safety when he's older. Gentle giant. Uh, yeah. A very unknown fact about Hagrid, unless you read the books, um, is he is such a pure spirit that when he was wrongfully in Azkaban, uh, the Dementors craved his soul to the point where they, like, Azkaban people and and the wizarding world had to like basically like keep them away from him or they would kill him they wanted his spirit so bad because he was one of the purest souls in the wizarding world Mm -hmm. that the dementors actually when he was released revolted for a while against the ministry and it's it's one of the few things that I, i remember from the books and you know they never talked about in the movie how pure of a spirit he was uh but but you uh, can tell. You can yeah, see it. Absolutely. And obviously, if you don't know him from Harry Potter, he was in uh, From Hell with Johnny Depp, the Jack the Ripper movie. He was in GoldenEye. Oh, GoldenEye. Yeah. yeah. He was. He played Valentine. Um, so Robbie Coltrane was just a, a funny guy in real life, a sweet guy, and a great actor. I remember one of the specials years ago uh, talking about, you know, the actors first getting their roles and, you know, what it meant to them. And he talked about... The women, the women love Haggard. <laughs> so uh, God bless him, man. Absolutely. That one, that one was tough. So yeah, but we do have a little bit of casting news. It seems that it is uh, finally been solidified that the character of Thunderbolt Ross has been recast for the next Captain America movie and beyond. How long he'll be physically Thunderbolt Ross, we don't know. But Harrison Ford, uh, which perfect, yeah, sure, great, awesome. You know, I'm a shill for Harrison Ford, but that just kind of comes out of nowhere. If you know Harrison the way we know Harrison, <laughs> <laughs> yes, why, yes, we do. He, he, he's he wanted to kill Han soon. He didn't think he'd do another indie after four, even though he got, he's on record of saying this one is really good. I'm sure this will be the last of it for sure, though. But joining another franchise. Like I was like, 
Dude, I thought you hated franchises. Well, I would expect that they threw a big uh, number his yeah. way uh, that he, you know, Harrison Ford likes money. He does. Who doesn't? Good for him. Uh, but I am hoping they get their money's worth. Like, I hope that they make his character very prominent in whatever's mm-hmm. to come. Because, I mean, Harrison Ford's a big name. Yeah. Um, it's a big deal. So you, you want to definitely soak that up. I'm looking forward to it. I think he's the perfect choice. Oh, yeah. And I never expected we would get Harrison in the MCU, kind of like what you were saying. So I'm thrilled about it. Oh, yeah. And I uh, can't wait. Uh, before we step away for a quick intermission break, we're bringing back the nerd vocabulary word. Uh, and your nerd vocabulary word of this episode is nerdantic. Now, nerdantic is an insulting word used to describe a nerd that annoys oh, others. By correcting small errors, caring too much about minor details of nerd culture, or emphasizing their own expertise, especially in some narrow or boring subject matters. <laughs> so, use this in your daily walk. Don't be so nerdantic when talking about nerd culture with others. It just makes you look bad and annoying. And quite possibly is one of the biggest turnoffs in, an, in the nerd world order, truly, being nerdantic. We got an email from a listener several months ago who had gone back and listened to our lovely episode about uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King. And I guess it was me made the comment like, isn't it a little odd that we're having this big celebration about Aragorn being the king and like we're having a big party and like, hey, and he just stops like, hey, stop everybody. Listen to me sing, (laughs) which I understand in a fantasy world that might be normal. I was mostly just making a joke, right? Yes. This dude was so butthurt about it, wrote an email. Oh, that was a very uh, rude thing for you to say. This is actually the, you know, song of its ancestors or some crap like that. I don't even know what it was. And I was like, man, don't be so nerd antic. Come on. Lighten up, Francis. Yeah. I, I, I wish I still had it. Gosh, it was it was such a <laughs> a funny a funny message. And and you were you were taking a break from the show at the time and and I still messaged you and you said <laughs> I said thanks a lot, Josh, for pissing off one of our fellow nerds. Hey, leave <laughs> it to me, man. <laughs> I was like dad gummit. You um, know, my my talents are few, but pissing off nerds over random uh things that's that's me all day (laughs) absolutely so we're going to take a a quick break and uh when we get back we're going to be celebrating two things it is the 30th anniversary of the x-men animated series as well as the og mortal kombat video game get over here we're going to be talking into big detail about both of them and memories and things like that when 30 and Nerdy Podcast returns. 30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 and Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. 
And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Established in the summer of 2015, Tennessee Legend Distillery is more than just another moonshine stop in the Smoky Mountains. From our multi-award winning silky smooth salted caramel whiskey to our King Snake two-year-old bourbon whiskey, our local favorite vodka, and even our legendary line of cream liqueurs, there is something for everyone. Focusing on a small town vibe, our family and friend owned and operated business has kept us grounded to the heritage of the volunteer state with our fun, courteous, and smiling staff. Come in for free tastings and leave with your spirit of choice, whether it be Richard's Damn Good Gin or the legendary Hammershine. You can find us on social media by searching Tennessee Legend Distillery, where you can see behind-the-scenes features, new deals, and our always fan-favorite Thirsty Thursday cocktail recipes. Now we do have two locations here in Sevierville, one on Highway 66, one on Newport Highway. We also have locations in Cookville and Nashville. If you do visit our Sevierville location located at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway, tell them the guys at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. You'll receive a free shot glass and 15% off your purchase. What are you waiting for? Come be a legend at Tennessee Legend Distillery. Cheers to you, nerds. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes, and hey, bub, we are celebrating. Probably, I know it's not your second, but it's definitely my second favorite animated series I grew up with. Uh, I know your second's probably Spider-Man after Batman. Yeah, probably so. Well, this is my second. I'll give it third. Okay. Uh, it was just... A, well put together, great characters. I mean, brought the comics to life. We are talking about X-Men, also known as the X-Men animated series. Now, this is an animated superhero television series, which debuted on Halloween of 1992 in the United States on the Fox Kids Network. <laughs> X-Men was Marvel Comics' second attempt at an X-Men TV series after the pilot, which I still own the VHS to this X-Men pride of the X-Men. What spelled P R Y D E about Kitty pride was not picked up. It ran from October 31st, 1992 to September 20th of 1997. 
a continuation called X-Men 97 will be coming out soon on Disney Plus to follow up the original series. Now let's talk about the cast, the main cast we were given in this X-Men animated series. We had Charles Xavier, voiced by Cedric Smith. Uh, Beast, voiced by George Buza. Jubilee, voiced by Allison Court. Rogue, by Lenore Zahn. Wolverine, my favorite, voiced by Cal Dodd. Jean Grey, voiced by Catherine Disher. Cyclops, voiced by Norm Spencer. Gambit, by Chris Potter. Storm, by Allison Seeley Smith. And Magneto, by David Hemblum. Juice, what are some of the first memories that rise in your brain when you hear X-Men, the animated series? Honestly, dude, I really can't recall my first time like seeing the show. I have a lot of memories of the thing during the ending credits with the like the rotating 3D mm-hmm. uh, figures. Character of, models. Uh, of the, yeah, that. Um, and like it was so frustrating because it was like I'm like a, on a computer screen and there was a mouse that would click one of the little profile pictures and the character yeah. would pop up and you never got through all of them. Yeah. You would do like five or six and it would go to another one and it would end. It's like, no, I wanted to see them all. But actually my memories, when we talk about it, I remember that Hardy's had these little toys, like their version of Happy Meal toys of the X-Men uh, characters. And this guy that my mom was seeing at the time was like a manager of a Hardy's. And he brought me all of them. Couldn't tell you what happened to them. Don't know where they are. But I do remember I had them all. And I remember the one of Storm. She had the little arm capes. Mm-hmm. I remember that very well. Um, I still have from 1992 a small metal Cyclops that his arms move up and down, and he's about maybe two inches, two and a half inches tall. And this small metallic Cyclops. Um, Also, have some Wolverine toys still. I just did a Google search those toys they were actually like they came on little little pieces that you could stand mm-hmm. them up on and they would all go together and form like a little fight scene um i can't even tell who some of these characters are to be honest with you but i see storm wolverine blob cyclops rogue and i can't tell who the others are my first memory um for some reason, and there's not really some reason, it's because Wolverine's a, a focal point in this movie, is um, the, the episode where he runs away from the heartbreak of the love triangle to Alaska mm-hmm. and um, encounters Sabretooth. He's helping these Eskimo, uh, this Inuit tribe, yeah, uh, he's catching fish for him. He's really becoming friends with them. And then Sabretooth, one of the Inuit get like uh, jealous and he runs mm-hmm. off and all pissed off and he runs into Sabretooth. And basically like Sabretooth's like, why are you so mad? You know, why shouldn't I kill you? And he's like, you can help me get revenge on this guy. And he's like, 
what's he look like? And he's like, he's this little guy with mutton chops and he's big and he's got these claws and he's like Wolverine. And I remember that episode very, very vividly that my mind automatically goes to that episode and the introduction of the Morlocks episode in the sewer. With Storm. Yeah. That's yeah. like uh, season one. Uh, it's like episode three or something. Yeah, like Gene and Scott are on a like a date, and yeah. they get brought down into the sewers. I like so in the days before Disney Plus, like I'm sure I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school. Um, I found like this bootleg thing of the X Men animated series on DVD. It was like fifty bucks, and I managed to get a hold of it. I remember it came in the mail. I had terrible sinus infection so i was home for like three days and i just chilled in bed and watched this old bootleg dvd of the x-men series and that was the first time i'd seen it in years like since being a kid because they didn't like show reruns of the x-men mm. on tv or i think there was like a disney xd run of it like yep. really late at night yep. like if you manage to stay up to like 2 30 in the morning maybe you could catch it mm -hmm. i i don't know that i ever managed to do that but uh, so that was my like reintroduction to it after all those years. And then they finally released the, the DVDs of like the official ones. And I got my hands on all of those. And now of course the Disney plus, you can watch them whenever you want. And I do from time to time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's such a great show. I, I saw one recently. Do you remember the one where it's like Wolverine is in France and he's standing over the grave of like an old war buddy or something. And they go, they go into this whole backstory of it was before Wolverine had his claws and stuff and Captain America shows up and he teams up with Cap. Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, well, Wolverine's not very interesting without his claws. And they didn't do the bone claws thing. No. They, he had this little gadget thing that was like the claws to help him climb up a wall. He was like, oh, hey, these are pretty nifty. I wouldn't mind having a set of these. And he uses them for the whole episode. Basically, Wolverine with his claws. Yeah. 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 Um, and I also remember obviously the the introduction of all the the very first episode, you know, is all about Jubilee becoming part of the X-Men. Uh it's her introduction. It's also a great episode of introductions to all the characters. Yeah. Um Morph. and I think yeah, and the second episode of that little like Night of the Sentinels. Uh, which that's the thing about them is they did a lot of like part one, part two, part three, like they do sagas within episodes. So it's like yeah. your first two episodes are connected. Mm -hmm. And then like your next one might be a standalone little episode like Captive Hearts was. And then they'll do like a three parter. And, and that was I'd always very interesting. The Phoenix Saga was like four or five or six mm -hmm. episodes. And they did the Dark Phoenix Saga, mm -hmm. too. And Dark Phoenix was seven parts. I do remember that. And, of course, yeah, something like that. Uh, Rise of Apocalypse or the Apocalypse storyline was six or seven parts as well. Yeah. Um, but I always thought that was the, it wasn't done that way. Like, you know, like cartoons weren't done that way when we were kids. You didn't have like two and three parts episodes that were like sagas. It, it just, it was such a new thing at the time for us. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, and I always thought it was very interesting. I did have the first three seasons when I was a kid on VHS. Um, I wish I look at this stuff now and I think, God, why, why would I 33 year old Tyler would love to go back to like 14 year old Tyler at his summer yard sale that his mom put on. Like, don't sell those VHS tapes, dude. <laughs> don't. Don't put those in the yard sale for 25 cents a piece. I would gladly uh, pay back that $1 that I gained from that yard sale. I know, right? Like, what the heck? Why would you sell all those? And your Pokemon cards, like, you have no idea what this is going to be when you're still 30. What is it that that Jim says in the office when he's got that picture of a young Jim and Dwight? And he's like, oh, young Jim, the things that I wish I could tell you. And yet, sadly, I cannot. (laughs) Well, just the cast of characters, I think, made it because they put the right X-Men in. Now, obviously, early renditions of the X-Men in the comics, some of these names weren't in it. Kitty Pride is is a day one-ish member of the X-Men squad. But in these early animated series, Kitty Pride isn't a Mm-mm. character no. uh, in the 90s one. Psylocke is is a big name in the comics early on but she's not until like apocalypse comes along yeah and even in even in those episodes like she's not still not very prominent like you Mm -hmm. just sort of see her there like Mm -hmm. she's not like really a featured part like nightcrawler had one episode i think yeah um uh angel had like one uh who else i uh bobby drake had like one or two yeah and now these are, these are some of the mainstream names. Yeah. Uh, and even not now, but like even before this animated series came out in the comics, the first generation of X-Men, even the second generation, some of these names weren't there till the second or third generation. So it's like mm-hmm. it was an interesting choice to to put the more modern names in instead of origin characters. Uh, like Banshee and and characters like that. Yeah. Um, I also really loved Magneto in the animated series, and I'm sure oh, that's where yeah. you. That's I'm sure that's where you fell in love with him. Yeah, as a sure. character. I just watched the ones today where um, Bishop comes back from the future, mm-hmm. and he's trying to prevent like an assassination of Xavier, and they show you this war-torn future where it's the war of the humans and the superhumans versus the mutants and storm and wolverine are a married couple um and uh magneto is the leader of the mutants and he's Mm -hmm. got this cool armor and his hair is long he's got a big grizzly beard i was like yeah magneto looks sick dude so uh they did magneto right on that show all the time not just they did they did do him right for the longest time before Patrick Stewart came along. Cedric Smith was the voice of our Xavier, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of calm. He is at the ripe old age of 79. Wow. And he's English. I wonder if he's coming back for the Disney plus. It'll be very interesting to see what voice actors they get to return or if they even go in that direction. I know uh, Wolverine is going to be the same, right? Yeah. That one yeah. has been like confirmed. Yeah. Sure. Cal Dodd is returning. Yeah. Um, which is exciting because 
uh, like like Xavier, like Magneto until these live action movies, that was our Wolverine voice. Yeah, so I'm looking here. Um, according to Wikipedia, take that uh, for what you will. In November 2021, a revival title X-Men 97 was revealed to premiere on the service in 2023, which will continue the plot of the series. Blah, 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 blah. Um, with most of the surviving cast members of the original series reprising their roles, including Dodd, Zan, Booza, Disher, Potter, Seeley Smith, Huff, and Britton. Wow. So that's a lot. And that Jennifer is Hale is going to be joining the cast. Well, that's cool. Uh, Jubilee will now be voiced by an Asian actress. So they're going with the appropriate uh, ethnicities for yes. the characters, which is good. Uh, yeah. But the actress who played Jubilee, Allison Court, is returning just in a different role. It does not say what it will be. So we shall see. We shall. We shall. I found some unknown nerdlage okay. about the animated series. You know, I love my unknown nerdlage. Don't we all? Sydney Iwinter, an executive at Fox, originally planned on ending the series with a big bang. Beyond Good and Evil, parts one through four. They even had planned to have characters leaving the team at the conclusion. But at the last minute, Fox asked for more episodes. Now, unfortunately, at the time, Marvel was filing for bankruptcy and could not afford to produce more episodes. So Saban funded them directly. This explains why the last six episodes looked different than the previous 70. So the show officially ended things again with graduation day in 1997. Do you remember that episode? Not as much as I remember others. So the way the series ended was Xavier was like sick and Mm -hmm. basically he was dying and they were like, Oh my God, what do we do? What do we do? And Lalandra from the Shi'ar Empire showed up mm-hmm. and they had this technology that would save him. But in order to save him, he had to leave with her. He had to go so to space. She took Xavier with her. And Magneto takes over. He's a good guy so. now. And yeah. he kind of takes over the team. Yeah. Uh, which is where we leave, we leave off and we're 97 supposed to pick up. Yes. Allegedly. Uh, the X-Men series is one of the first animated shows to be serialized, which each of the episodes continuing into the next. Although most of them also stand alone as separate shows, after the Phoenix Saga aired, the remaining episodes that aired were not in the correct continuity order because the bulk of episodes were being animated with many different studios. The writers decided not to continue with linear storylines like the first two seasons as many would likely air as soon as they became available. Continuity problems became so bad that No Mutant is an Island from 1996 and episode Longshot from 1996 did not air for two years after they should have. Thanks to animation quality issues, No Mutant is an Island was supposed to explain Jean Grey's return, setting up the Dark Phoenix saga. So I think it'd be interesting to go back and watch these again in order. And I'd be interested to see if they keep them as is or if they reshuffle them into the continuity that they're mm-hmm. supposed to be. Since they dropped them on Disney Plus, I think it'd be extremely cool to do that. 
So David Himblum, the voice of Magneto in the show, was offered the chance to play Magneto in the live action X-Men movies. Wow. However, Himblum wanted the role, but he was forced to turn it down to do scheduling conflicts. Well, his movie, Earth, Final Contact. Oh, right. Oh. I bet he's like, dadgummit. Wow. Well, you know what? It worked out, though, because Ian McKellen was the greatest Magneto. He was fantastic. So great. Morph was intended to be a throwaway character for the writers to kill to sell the stark nature of the series. Morph, originally called Changeling, was chosen because of his past ties to the X-Men. He was part of the first gen in the comics, second gen, as well as his long absence from the comic books. His codename had to be changed from Changeling to Morph, as DC Comics had trademarked the Changeling name for the character who is also known as Beast Boy. Right. Morph's death was intended to be permanent, but he gained unexpected popularity and was brought back during the Sinister Saga. Mm -hmm. Sinister. Do you remember that? A, video, a villain that we have yet to see in the live action world that I hope the MCU tackles. Did you, not to get off topic here, but it's sort of on topic. Did you see this thing about how they're talking about doing like hour long specials for each of the X-Men characters? Yes. And I, 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 I think it's smart. I do too. I, I think give my full support. Not all shows. Yeah. Not movies. A great way to catch everybody up because we got a lot of X-Men and we want them now. And so mm -hmm. like, rather than having to wait years and years for, you know, movies and shows and stuff like that. Hey, here's a kind of like, you know, they did that werewolf by night thing. Like here's Which was, one, a standalone special. I've only finished like half of it. So I'm behind on everything. Uh, but yeah, like, Hey, here's Cyclops in an hour. Here's Jean Grey in an hour beast, you know, I'm all about it. So I hope so that cool. happens. Yeah. So cool. Uh, so Stanley was not creatively active with Marvel Comics at the time the series was being produced. So his involvement wasn't particularly big, big on this series. He gave some producer notes on the first 13 episodes, however. I think that's interesting. 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 The voice actors were largely cast and found from the live theater scene in Toronto. So there were stage actors, most of right them. Right on. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The Acolytes, a group of mutants who are led by Magneto and reside on Asteroid M, are never referred to by name in the series because broadcast standards and practices forbade the writers to call them by, by name in the dialogue due to religious Backlash. Uh, Acolytes. So those are just some of the unknown nerdlich. I, I did think, you know, talking about the X-Men introduction, um, this is, is on the Marvel topic, but definitely not the X-Men kind of, is uh, in the She-Hulk finale. When, <laughs> uh, when I initially, when that whole thing happened, I was like, did I? Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yes, this is spoiler alert. Did I hit the menu button? <laughs> We, me and Maddie like froze and I was like the controller's right there we haven't touched it and when she did that whole thing and then she's like I got questions blah 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 when are we getting the X-Men and she looks at all of us like I got you I was that like, was yes very, that was very cute 
Like it wasn't just breaking the interdimensional wall. She came into our world. Yeah. And that was funny. That was very fun. It was unexpected. It was so cool. Yeah. Very unexpected. Never done before. Ever. I enjoyed it. I, I, I just think it's crazy. The last little bit I want to talk about with this is 30 years, man. 30 years since X-Men, the animated series debuted this month. And here we are, 33, and still just as in love with these characters as we were in the 90s when we were watching them on Saturday mornings with their pancakes and cereal and syrup all over our faces as as five, six, and seven-year-old kids. And it's just insane to think that 30 years later, uh, not only are we in love with them, but X-Men names are, are mainstream now. Yeah. Everyone knows and loves Wolverine now. Uh, Granted, a lot of that has to do with the Hugh Jackman of it. (laughs) I love Wolverine, obviously. But Wolverine is not one of my favorites. I know he's I I think he's... I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it, man. Don't say he's your least. He's a little overrated, I think. Oh, God. I think he's a little overrated. do. Do you think he became overrated because of Hugh Jackman? No. You think he grew the popularity during the animated years? Mm, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I, I just I've always kind of felt that way. Like he's cool, he's great, but like he's on everything. He's like I've said this before. You got so mad at me. He's the John Cena of the X Men. Let's be real. Gambit is possibly much cooler. I have no issues with Gambit. I was afraid you were going to say Cyclops. Ugh. I can't say that Cyclops is cooler necessarily, but I do really like Cyclops a lot. He is definitely one of my favorite X-Men. God, he's not mine. I know. And it really has nothing to do as much with the love triangle. I didn't want Wolverine with Gene anyways. Um, it's the Boy Scout leader. I'm the Kinda- leader. Kind of vanilla. I get it. Yeah, he's very yeah, vanilla. I get that. Um, what we haven't talked about with the X-Men. You ever notice how every single character in the X-Men animated series is jacked? Like yoked. perfectly chiseled bodies. Like even the bad guys, like random bad guy number three has like an eight pack. Even the... the mortal men that are like protesting mutants holding signs are just jacked animated biceps the size of my head (laughs) yes i did notice that oh 90s uh selling us on male and female physique yes and we didn't even know it at the time and it probably has a lot to do with why the millennials are attracted to the type of girls they're attracted to is the animation we grew up with. You could be right. And the video games we played, which we will get to in just a few short moments. Absolutely. We're going to step away and take a quick break. But before that, what are your favorite memories of the X-Men animated series? Please let us know. Who's your favorite X-Men? What are you looking forward to in 97? Who do you want to see in the live action world as the cast? Um. I have said multiple times, my cast for Wolverine is a 5'3", yellow, rabid, big blue hair Wolverine. 
it's totally different than Hugh Jackman, even though he is coming back one last time, quote unquote, one last time <laughs> um, for Deadpool three. Ty Olson, if you've watched Supernatural, he's Benny, the vampire. He's in a few episodes. He'd be a fantastic Wolverine. Uh, but let us know your cast, your favorite memories, your first memories, your your favorite characters. Uh, maybe you didn't like the animated series. Let us know why. Yeah. Uh, we think you're crazy, but let us know why. Uh, at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. We're going to step away and take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to test our might on Mortal Kombat when 30 and Nerdy Podcast returns. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. Now I'm JVD. We're your host of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on TheBuildsMan.com. Rolling out, no worries, no cares. When the car came out of nowhere. That's when my whole world changed. Pills for the pain, medical bills insane. Lucky for me, I dialed OEB. Boom! Turn your wreck into a check. The ones for you now call OEB Law. Boom! Turn your wreck into a check. We got your back now call OEB Law. Woke up all broke up and messed up. Laying there in pain as if it wasn't bad enough. Couldn't work much and the bills are piling up. Insurance company wasn't paying up. I was down, I was out, but I wasn't quite done. Call 546-1111. You're in pain, yeah, we got you. You can't pay, yeah, we got you too. Boom. Turn your wreck into a check. The ones for you now call OEB Law. Boom. Turn your wreck into a check. We got your back now call OEB Law. Boom. Turn your wreck into a check. We got your back now call OEB Law. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes, to our second breakdown segment of this episode, where we're celebrating 30 years of great, big, important things in the nerd world. Uh, we talked about the X-Men, and we're going to talk about the 30th anniversary of the OG Mortal Kombat game. Holy cow, do I feel old. 30 years old. Whoopsie! Wow. Uh, you know, you told me we were going to talk about Mortal Kombat, and I said, whoa, get over here, and let me uh, just do some deep diving onto uh, Mortal Kombat. And that is exactly what I did, sir. Uh, first of all, Mortal Kombat, 30 years. What are your memories of Mortal Kombat? Whoopsie. <laughs> Anytime you uppercut someone, that uh, little guy pops on the side. It's, whoopsie. It's, it's, it's not whoopsie. It's, it's toasty. Toasty? Yeah. You mean for sure. 30 years I've been saying whoopsie? Pretty sure. Oh, yeah. please don't tell me you're right. Yeah, I feel like a moron. Let's double check on that. Oh, but, uh, no. Yeah. 
because it came from uh, one of that's the little guy was uh, one of the creators, one of the creators. And he used to always say you're toast or something like that. So, I remember, obviously, sound effects are, are what I said to Devaney last week is I have this weird data bank in my head and 99% of it is quotes, actors and actresses. The other 1% is probably sound effects that jog my memory. So, yeah, bro, uh, it's it's toasty. God, it originated as an inside joke between members of the Mortal Kombat development team, which was made up of like four people, by the way, and made its way into the game via an image of sound designer Dan Forden appearing in the lower right corner of the screen and saying toasty in a falsetto voice when the player performed a particularly vicious uppercut. My entire life, I have said whoopsie. Well, I am so glad that oh I my am God. here to educate you on these things. Uh, that's why you have your PhD, my friend. It is exactly why. Uh, yes, I love to do even, it. Even the Duke can be wrong from time to time, nerds. It's it, rare. It, <laughs> it can happen. But it can happen. <laughs> so beyond, uh, beyond whoopsie and toasty, what are your memories of Mortal Kombat? <laughs> More sound effects. Uh, Furnish him. Yeah. Fatality. Uh, and noises. Flawless victory. Flawless. Babality. Animality. You know, just sound effects. And and, and uh, when Liu Kang did the bicycle kick. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes um, like when you would kill somebody and like the scream. Uh, yeah. The sound design was so human. If that makes sense. Sure. It wasn't, you could tell these weren't people, um, you know, like in, in movies these days, broken bone sound effects. I'm going to bring you behind the curtain here. People, oh, God. Is breaking celery into microphones. Yeah. They break celery to make broken bones in movies. The sound effect. But I get it. These are like you. people on a mic saying like, furnish him. Yeah. Real, real sound effects. And it was really ahead of its time. It really I got to tell you, on the, the newer games, they have this effect called like X-Ray. And it's okay. like a little combination of moves. And you, the camera like zooms into certain body parts of the character and shows their skeleton. And you're like breaking and crunching their bones. And my wife hates it when I'm playing that game. She's one of these weird, like, oh, I hate certain sounds. Like, if I take an empty water bottle and crunch it up to put it in the uh, recycling bin, she does this whole, oh, no, God, stop. <laughs> um, she also hates the walker noises from Walking Dead, doesn't she? She hates a lot of things. It's it's She mad, hates everything I love. <laughs> Why do you hate everything that I love? Yeah. Uh, so, like, I would just intentionally play uh, Mortal Kombat just to piss her off sometimes. But uh, yeah, you talking about the bones and stuff made me think of that. So the Mortal Kombat games have come a long way. So I remember like seeing the arcade game, which was the first version of the game. I remember seeing it places, but obviously when this came out, dude, we're like four and five years old. So I'm probably not running up and putting a quarter in Mortal Kombat because I wouldn't know what the heck I was doing. But I remember I was at a babysitter's house or something one time and they had a Sega Genesis and they had it on the loading screen, and it was showing all the characters and stuff. And I saw Raiden, and mm-hmm. I was like, 
whoa, awesome. I want to see this and I want to play this game and everything. Of course, I had no idea what I was doing. But that was like my very first memory of Mortal Kombat. Um, I think my first memory is in the College Square Mall in Morristown. I don't know how much you got down here when you were a kid. None. Not to Walter State? Yeah. Okay. So back in the, the 90s at College Square Mall, first off, we had a big-ass fountain in the middle of the mall, a, a massive fountain where uh, Annie Ann's is now, just in the center of the mall. It always okay. smelled fantastic. It smelled like an indoor pool. People would throw quarters in and stuff. On the other end of the mall, beside what used to be Corn Dog 7, what is now that crappy pizza place. The mm-hmm. store, if you're looking at that crappy pizza place, which I think is closed down now, to the right of it was this arcade called Tilt. Big red neon sign up at the top, big red neon writing in cursive, Tilt. Inside, 90s grunge and rock music playing, red lighting everywhere. That was where I first played it. Chris, I was with my older brother, Christopher. And he gave me some some singles to change out for tokens, little gold tokens, tilt those. on them. And I played different games. I played the the TMNT game that I, I loved. Oh yeah, um, I played the first um, Area Fifty One shooter game, mm-hmm. and then I played Mortal Kombat, yeah. and really. Loved the ninja characters, Reptile, Scorpion, and Sub-Zero. Those were the three that I'd alternate to um, because I just loved their look. I loved that ninja look. But, I mean, mm. when I was a kid, you know, uh, for some reason, pirates and ninjas were the big thing for me other than comic book stuff. Like, I loved the movie Three Ninjas. I loved Warriors of Virtue, which were kangaroo ninjas. Um I, I really loved those characters. Um, The characters I hated mainly because they always beat me, was Goro, who was impossible. Well, you had to have been good if you got all the way to Goro. Oh, I was an arcade kid. Like, before I got a console, I didn't get a console until I was, like, in fifth grade. I wasn't allowed to have them because, you know, I would play them all the time instead of going outside and I'd gain weight, which that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who knew? Who knew? I was this, before I got a console, I was this scrawny little Ric Flair blonde hair just kid, like putting rocks up my nose, slicing my head open, you know, getting in trouble, you know, getting hurt, going to the doctor more than I should as a kid because I hurt myself. You know, as a kid should be, you know, getting out and playing. I was an arcade king when I was a kid before console, before I got my first console. I played the living daylights out of this MK game. And they also, they ended up moving it out of tilt into the old movie theater where they also had that monster truck game. Do you remember the old movie theater? Did you ever see? Yeah. 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 They had, they moved it to there because they got the new Mortal Kombat two arcade game for tilt and then like tilt shut down maybe my fourth or fifth grade year so no arcade in the mall anymore so just those arcade games in that old movie theater were the only ones that they had um but i remember also watching 
my older brother Christopher played at his house on his Super Nintendo uh, in his bedroom as a kid. Uh, that's that's a very vivid memory. Um, and that's when I first started thinking that it was whoopsie. Because <laughs> <laughs> he would say it too. He'd say whoopsie. Yeah. And that's where it stuck with me. So we've come a long way since then because now we're up to Mortal Kombat 11. It's the most recent uh, release, which I have not played that one yet. I am a big fan of Mortal Kombat X. I got to be pretty good at that one. Uh, there's been, of course, a slew of other games uh, beyond that. Uh, but what is Mortal Kombat exactly? Uh, it is one of the highest grossing media franchises of all time. One of considered to be one of the best fighting games of all time. It was created by Ed Boon and John Tobias and developed by Midway Games. It was released in arcades on uh, August of 1992. And you got to remember, like, this is this is before we had the Internet. This is before we had like Google. You couldn't just like get on your phone and Google. How do you do a fatality or how do you do this on a video game? You had to just play long enough to discover it. And like imagine standing there mashing buttons on Mortal Kombat somehow doing a fatality and all these people standing around the arcade watching you like, whoa, you know, like that. How'd you do that, dude? Been the coolest, the coolest kid in in the arcade. Oh, in the 90s, they would have said that was so dank. (laughs) Well, apparently they would have. I don't remember people saying that. This kid's dank Sinatra. We did. (laughs) Stop. Oh, man. Throwback to our Nerd in the 90s episode. Find it in our archives. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, it was released in August of 1992. And then September 13th, 1993, a year later, on consoles, which was dubbed Mortal Monday. A couple of fun facts here. It was developed, like I said, by about four people, which... Nowadays, it's crazy because you watch the credits for any video game and it's hundreds and hundreds of people. But back then, games were a lot more simple. That's all you needed. Uh, When it was released on the Super Nintendo, they had no blood in the game. So it was like replaced with sweat, stuff like that. And the fatalities were basically edited to be a lot, you know, tamer. Uh, And so the sales for the Sega Genesis version of the game went through the roof because they had this slogan, Sega does what Nintendo won't or something like that. Because they they left the blood and stuff. Mm. So they had a lot more uh, sales for the game. Uh, This is not anything to do with the original Mortal Kombat game, but I learned this and just thought this was incredible. Uh, This is more recent. So some guy found a way to... uh, try to prevent himself from being punched in the game. It had nothing to do with any cheat codes or anything like that. He modded his controller so that he would get shocked every time he got punched. (laughs) So like, if you really want want to be the best, you know, torture yourself and eventually you'll figure it out, I guess. So the story of Mortal Kombat, basically the setting for this is this 
fantasy world it's earth realm and there's a tournament that goes on basically for the control of the realms and when you win the tournament 10 times consecutively you get to rule all the realms or something like that so the what's the bad guy realm uh nether realm nether realm or outworld or something outer like world that. Outworld yeah or something like that they have won the tournament nine consecutive times with their champion goro and we've got uh, Shang Tsung, who's like the host of the game or something like that. And he's desperately trying to take over Earthrealm. So we get all these heroes from Earthrealm who come to fight for Earth. And in canon, Liu Kang wins the tournament for Earth. Mm-hmm. But when you play the game, you can play it as any of the characters. And if you win the tournament, you get like this whole little uh, story, their, their story for joining the tournament and stuff. So uh, let's talk graphics now graphics for the game at the time this is a very new concept because rather than it being like pigmented little cartoon looking things like consider street fighter the characters Mm -hmm. are all very cartoonish right Mm -hmm. uh japanese style these characters were real life actors in a studio in costumes digitalized you know and you're it looks very realistic at the time for 1992 it really looked good it turned out to be like the same two or three actors just over and over again and they would change the colors so like sub-zero and scorpion same thing they just change the colors right mm-hmm. and then later we get reptile and we get tons of those ninja characters smoke and rain and yeah uh tremor is one that's a, like one of the newer ones i believe he's like the brown ninja sales by july of 1994 mortal Kombat had sold this is the og one now more than 6 million units worldwide and grossed over $300 million, which is equal today to about $560 million. Yeah. One game. As as we said, there's been numerous games, crossovers. They even did a crossover with DC, and it Mm -hmm. was sort of not great. Um, And movies. Like, there was a, a movie in 1994, five or so mm-hmm. i believe mm-hmm. which didn't really age well you go back and watch it now and it's kind of like uh, yeah. they did a sequel to that one as well which is worse which was way worse unwatchable uh but now we've got the the newer one the uh mortal Kombat from i guess it was last year that that one came out 2020 uh two years ago my bad yeah. and you know, it didn't win any awards. It's not like the talk of the town or anything like that, but definitely a fun watch. Yeah. And if you're a fan of the games, they really had a lot of those little little Easter eggs and little nods to the game to make people happy. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, when you finish the battle and someone has their little quote, like flawless victory or Kano wins or stuff like that. Those little moments really stood out. They were very true to the characters, the fighting styles, finishing mm-hmm. moves and whatnot. So I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. Uh, you know, if you're just looking for something that's entertaining, action, a little bit gory, violent. Yeah. But if you're looking for like, you know, some big heartfelt story or, you know, whatever, it's probably not the place to look. Yeah. Now, this game was very controversial because uh violent video games were not really so much of a thing in 1993 but when we had games like mortal Kombat and doom and stuff like that 
parents started to get really angry. We don't want our kids playing these violent video games. Um, there was a 1993 congressional hearing where all these politicians got together and talked about shame on the people who make these games. They're sick minded and we need to do something about it. And this more or less led to the uh, creation of the Entertainment Software Rating Board, uh, as we know it today, ESRB, which is still around today. They started that in 1994. A big reason for this was Mortal Kombat and the fatalities, which we're going to talk about here in a moment. Um, And Mortal Kombat was, of course, the first game to ever get a mature rating. Don't you know? Don't you know? And I'll tell you, the ESRB thing, Definitely, I think it is a good thing to have. Sure. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the show. I used to work at GameStop. I was a game advisor at GameStop. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell this story because when I was teaching middle school English, we would read like informational texts and stuff. And one of them was about, you know, violent video games and does it cause this or that or whatever. Now I'd probably get fired and cussed out for teaching a lesson like that because I'm being political which I'm not. Um, Anyway, that's besides the point. But um, I always would tell this story. It was like my first Christmas working at GameStop, and I believe that the hot game at the time was uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Okay. I think it was two or three. And, like, if you remember in the second one, there's a whole sequence where you walk through an airport and just kill civilians. Yes which was that was rough and you had the option to skip that part but this mom came in to buy call of duty for her kid and we were encouraged to remind people okay just so you know this game is rated in for mature because blah 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 i said that to this woman about whichever call of duty game it was and she looked me dead in the eye and she said oh he'll be fine it's fine he's five i swear to god like i swear (laughs) My hand, my hand, this is a fact. What I'm telling you with my hand up five years old after I said this is rated M for mature. I don't know if she was stupid, I don't know if she wasn't listening to me, I don't know if she's just a bad parent, whatever. Maybe she had a really mature five year old, <laughs> but I was just like, wow, the ESRB system people are yeah, not I, a people don't I, understand it. I probably wouldn't. Even though I, you know, started playing mature games pretty early because of Christopher, um, I, I I won't buy a mature game for my five year old. Absolutely not. Like, what? I, it just blows me away. I still can't believe that happened. People probably think I'm making this up or I'm exaggerating. I swear, my hand, my hand is up. Like, this is a true story. It shocked. I was flabbergasted. But it, it, it did happen. So, the characters of Mortal Kombat, uh, they are still in the games today. They are iconic, a lot of them. Now, the first game, the original, had seven playable characters. And I'm going to give you a quick little rundown of each one. And since we talked about, about fatalities, I'll tell you what their original fatality was. Can I try to guess the seven? Sure. Uh, Raiden. Yes. Liu Kang. Yes. Sub-Zero. Yes. Scorpion. Yes. Sonya Blade. Yes. What am I at? Five? Four? Uh, I think you're missing two. Missing two. Shang Sun. 
No. Uh, st- uh, striker. No. Johnny Cage. Yes. And do you want a hint? Y- yes. I. Huh? The I. Okay. No. Yes. There you go. Uh, so we had Johnny Cage, a martial arts superstar trained by the great masters from around the world. He uses his talents on the big screen. He's a box office champ and star of such movies as Dragon Fist, Dragon Fist 2, as well as award-winning Sudden Violence. Uh, now, fun fact about Johnny Cage, he was based off of a character that was originally supposed to be based on Jean-Claude Van Damme. They wanted, John, they wanted to make the game about Jean-Claude Van Damme, but he was currently uh working on some other video game project that never happened so johnny cage is meant to be like a john claude bad damn mm-hmm. uh now his fatality basically he just punched people's heads right off right? just clean off their 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 body and now he's more known for like doing his little split and he does the little nut punch okay you know johnny cage is definitely a favorite uh, i love johnny cage yeah I'm not as good with him as I am with uh, some of the others, but I'll, I'll tell you the ones I'm best at later. But uh, Johnny Cage is a lot of fun. They didn't put him in the movie because they thought he would overshadow all the other stories they were trying to tell because he's such a big character. Mm-hmm. But if they do a sequel, which I believe they're planning to do, he will definitely be a part of it. And my, my, my pick is The Miz. Yeah, I think he'd be great. Uh, I'd like to see that happen as well. And it's not like a Mortal Kombat movie would be above casting a professional wrestler as one of their Mm-mm. parts, you know? So, yeah, I'd like to see that. All right, next we got Kano. He's a mercenary thug extortionist and a thief. He lives a life of crime and injustice. He's a devoted member of the Black Dragon, which is a dangerous group of cutthroat madmen. He's feared and respected throughout all of crime's inner circles. And his big fatality move is he would reach into his opponent's chest and pull their heart right out, which they did include in the most recent movie, mm-hmm. which was a nice little nod. All right. The uh, main uh, protagonist of the story, you might say, Liu Kang. He was once a member of the super secret White Lotus Society. Liu Kang left the organization in order to represent Shaolin temples in the tournament. Kang is strong in his beliefs and despises Shang Tsung. And his fatality move is just a big uppercut. And I'm really good with Luke King on the newer games. You learn how to do that fireball, and he does the mm-hmm. thing where he makes the dragon that can like eat people and the flying windmill kick thing. Bicycle so, kick. Bicycle kick. That's what I mean. Uh, next character, another favorite of mine, Raiden. And it's spelled R A I D E N, but in the original game, in the game, they spelled it with a Y. Mm-hmm. So that changed at some point. The name Raiden is actually that of a deity known as the Thunder God, not Thor, but Raiden. It is rumored he received a personal invitation by Shang Tsung himself and took the form of human to compete in the tournament in order to help save Earthrealm. And his fatality move was he would hold his little hands out and do the uh, do the emperor bit when shoot electricity out and blow people's heads up. <laughs> Scorpion, get over here. Like Sub-Zero, Scorpion's true name and origin are not known. He has shown from time to time distrust and hatred towards Sub-Zero. 
Between ninjas, this is usually a sign of opposing clans. Uh, we do learn in his backstory that Sub-Zero, like, killed him and mm-hmm. killed his family. And Scorpion was, like, sent to hell mm-hmm. because of this. So uh, his fatality was he would take his mask off to reveal a fiery skull. And he would breathe fire onto his opponent and melt them into a big pile of ash. Sonya Blade. Sonya Blade is a member of the top U.S. Special Forces unit of a special unit. I mean, uh, her team was hot on the trail of Kano's Black Dragon organization. They followed them to an uncharted island where they were ambushed by Shang Tsung's personal army. And her fatality, which I did not remember this, she would blow a little kiss and there'd be this little fireball that would come out and blow you up. Wow. I don't think I, I don't think they, uh, yeah, I don't think they still do that. Uh, we got a couple more here. No, one more. Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero is my number one favorite character. Sub-Zero. Love Sub-Zero. So the Sub-Zero from the OG game is not the same Sub-Zero that we have in the games today. Did you know it's this? His, it's yeah. his twin. Something like that, yeah. So he's uh, the actual name of the identity of this warrior is unknown at the time. However, based on the markings of his uniform, it is believed he belongs to the Lin Kuei, a legendary clan of Chinese ninjas. Now, uh, Sub-Zero, the original Sub-Zero, was killed in the tournament. He went on to become the character Noob Saibot, which is the last names of the two creators backwards. Boone and Tobias. Yeah, did you not know that? I didn't figure that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so Noob Sabat is still at the game today. He is the OG Sub-Zero. Now we have a different Sub-Zero, and he's the Noob one that, uh, that I always Saibot play. Noob is the uh, – what color is his ninja? He's black. Black ninja, yeah. 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 His fatality, would he would grab a person's head and pull their head and spine right out of their body. I think it's interesting these original fatalities. Uh, I wouldn't have some of them. I wouldn't have picked because they weren't part of their element. Like yeah. my original fatality for Liu Kang would have been the dragon. Yeah, you know his animality. My original fatality for Sub Zero would have been ice based. You know, you you think about that stuff like what what their character centered around. It's odd. Uh, the best the person I'm best with. You know, I, I didn't play past four. So I haven't played really any new gen um, Mortal Kombat games. Um, I played a little bit of the, that's a lie. I played a little bit of the one that crossed over with DC. Yeah. Uh, but it was, yeah, like you said, it wasn't good. Um, because I kind of got out of that style of gaming for a while and got into the first person shooter, open world RPG, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I do remember the Sub-Zero game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was just Sub-Zero. Yeah, for Nintendo 64. I am best with Kung Lao, and he's not even in the OG game. Talking about the hat guy? Yeah, has the razor hat. He's uh, yeah. Liu Kang's friend. Cousin. I think he's just his friend. You may be right, though. I, I think he's a he's a descendant or a ancestor in the movie canon, but I can't remember how they explain him in the game canon. Yeah, in the new games, I'm really great with Raiden and Liu Kang, and um, I'm okay with Sub-Zero. I love Sub-Zero. He's my favorite. I'm not as good with him as I am the others, but I always would try to practice with him. I got into it playing with uh, 
our friend Alex Cooper, a few years mm -hmm. ago, I used to spend a lot of time with him, um, and he and his roommates played that religiously. So I got into it, played it with them, and uh, that sort of reignited my interest and, and, and love for Mortal Kombat. And, and then I'm it? waiting till I get a PS6 to a PS6, PS5. <laughs> That's I'm another getting, couple of years away. Getting way out of myself. Uh, by the time I get it, it'll probably be PS6. Uh, but I'm waiting to get my PS5 before I get the uh, Mortal Kombat 11. I want to get it on the updated system. Was it two or three where they added in Jax and the robots? Two. Two. Cyrax and Smoke? Yeah. Were the two robots? Yeah. Yeah. And then Jax was Sonya Blade's partner. She thought was dead. And they did... Uh, a surgery on his arms that Sub-Zero Sub, pulled off. Sub-Zero like froze his arms and shattered them. And then they gave him robot arms. Yeah. Yeah. Which they did that story in the newest movie. Yes, they did. Which is pretty cool. I remember Goro, obviously, because he was extremely hard. And I remember like in two or three, they brought in his sister, Shiva. Mm -hmm. Which is the female I, Goro. The, one of the games that she was in, I played... And I would spam the move with her where she would pick him up and throw him down and pick yeah. him up and throw him because that's the only thing I could do with her. But it worked. <laughs> and then there was Mutaro, who was like half horse mm -hmm. and with goat with ram horns on him. Uh, and uh, Shao Khan was in two. He was the villain in two. I believe the skull mask. There are so many characters now. Like it's, she's kind of gotten, it's kind of gotten like Pokemon. Like I wouldn't be able to tell you who half of them are. There's one character that's really cool. He's newer. Uh, he's called Aaron black and he's like a cowboy and he has pistols. He's really <laughs> cool. I think you'd like him. That sounds cool. Yeah. So yeah, what man. are, what are, what were some of your favorite parts? I mean, you've, like you said, you've, you've played most of them past me. Um, are there any moments that stick out? You're like, oh, this game was better than this one. Or, 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 or no. is it like there's a blueprint and they don't really deviate from it? No, I mean, all the games have a underlying story, but the newer games, they really, there's like cut scenes and, and all that stuff. So there's like a really great story. It's almost like watching a movie. Um, and I love that about it. Um, I, I'd skipped a lot of the like four, five, six, and all those. I played some of the one. It was on uh, the Xbox 360. Like it was, uh, it was basically like a reboot. They just called it Mortal Kombat. It was the first time that it was featured on like the new gen systems. I played a little bit of that one, but like I said, 10 was the one that I really played a lot. Like I was really good at that one. And um, just loving the story of it. And just the characters, like the ninja characters. And even though it's, you know, you find out it's the same model, just with different colors. And that's sort of the basis for all of them. Yeah. They're still all so cool. Like just the cool characters, the cool moves. I just, I love it all. And um, I think that Mortal Kombat will be one of those things that's going to be around for a long, long time. Well, yeah. I mean, I still, think it's, it's, a, it's a title that'll stand the test of time. I mean, and like I said earlier on, it is one of the highest selling franchises uh, of any media, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm all about it. So what do you think it is about the movies that are uh, that, that didn't? Well, we know the second one sucks, but what do you think it is now about the first one that 
didn't hold up. Man, I don't know what it is, but it is so hard to make a good video game movie. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know what it is, but it is so tough. Um, I feel like Sonic was one of the few that just really was an exception to that. Like, it just stands alone as a really great movie. Mm-hmm. At least in my opinion, I thought it was really great. Um, and I did enjoy, like I said, the new Mortal Kombat, but it's not going to be one of those that people talk about, you know, forever. Like, oh, that great Mortal Kombat movie. It was cool. It was fun to watch. You know, I've seen it twice now. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that I'll ever watch it again. But um, I mean, at the time, it was game changing for us. We didn't know really when the first one came out that it was crap. Mm-hmm. We loved it. We were like, oh, my God, these characters are, are real, and, and we get to watch this tournament and this storyline and, and some of these characters play out. And it's like now you go back and watch that stuff, and you're like, how dare I, they? I actually did go back a couple years or, or more ago and watch that old <laughs> 90s Mortal Kombat. And, like, you know, it's it's not great. It's not great, but it's not like completely unwatchable. Like maybe this can be one we add to our list of like our redemption series that we've yeah. got planned. Uh, yeah. The sequel, no, I have no interest in that one. But um, yeah, awesome, awesome. Any last thoughts on X Men or Mortal Kombat? Thirty I, years, I, man. I feel really old. Yeah, no kidding. And speaking of thirty years. Our next episode, we are going to be celebrating. Oh man, the thirtieth anniversary of the Nightmare Before Christmas. I gotta tell you, my kid in her lifetime has gone through phases of this is her favorite thing. We had the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse phase, we had the Frozen phase, the Moana phase, the blah 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 blah, blah um, and Kanto phase. Right now, we are in the Nightmare Before Christmas phase. I love it. And I'm so proud of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because and, I just randomly said, hey, there's a book here on Nightmare Before Christmas. We should read this book together. Okay, we did. Oh, and this is cool. And uh, let's watch the movie. Okay. She fell in love with it, dude. And being at Disney during Halloween, they've got lots of Jack's Skellington stuff. We got to see the Oogie Boogie Man. We got to see Jack. We, we met Jack and Sally. Oh. So she dressed up as Zero. It's a thing right now. So we might have to get a couple of hot takes from Emma on the episode as well. So we'll see how that goes. Stay tuned for that. Absolutely. We're going to talk all about Nightmare Before Christmas in the next episode. Uh, Let us know. What are your memories about Mortal Kombat as well? Your favorite characters to play with? Who are you good with? Have you never played the game? Have you been under a rock your entire life? Uh, It's okay. That's what we're here for. Tune in next week for that great celebration of Nightmare Before Christmas. We are inching so closely to halloween uh it's it's a great time of year it's our favorite time of year josh is back from disney we've got a a great october to continue and uh, we're just happy to have you with us in our season five stay classy out there nerds be kind to one another be kind to yourselves and as always cheers to you Two dudes who met back in college Nobody loved pop culture more So they started a podcast to talk all about it And 30 and Nerdy was born
like The Witcher Or movies like Lord of the Rings And if Josh has to choose He is loyal to Marvel While Tyler goes more for DC Yes, Tyler goes more for DC Now come, come, one and all Nerd up or shut up Just answer the call to be part of our journey Into magical worlds Join us and cheers to ya nerds Join us and cheers to ya nerds